Good morning, good morning. It's Brenda Eshin Shoshana with another episode of Zen and Relationships um, from Zen Wisdom for Your Everyday Life. And pretty soon we're going to be segueing a little bit in the podcast to an exploration of value-centered relationships. I'm excited. I'm preparing a wonderful new program. It's um, based on the timeless truths of Zen, of the West, of all the great scriptures, of all the teachings, all of them. (laughs) I love it. And those are the pillars of our relationships. They will be. In this program, a real exploration of how we can build an unshakable foundation that cannot be shaken by any storm at all. And what a beautiful way to live. And I'm very excited to get rolling with this, which I'm already rolling. We're having the first workshop for a group of interfaith ministers next week and many more to be announced. But I, I was thinking so much about it on Mother's Day and in terms of our podcast for today. And you know what I really, what I wanted to talk about today in terms of relationships and in terms of just who we are and principles of Zen, of from India, from Judaism, from Christianity, from the Quran, all the principles, you know, it's so beautiful to see how they all converge. Everyone, there's no reason for any disputes among religions or any conflict. I always thought that even when I was little, because the heartbeat, the essence, really always brings us to the same point of our oneness and of our essential essential love, which we all actually are. Not that we have to find, but that we are, we have to express. Anyway, what I wanted to talk about today for starters is, it came to me very strongly to, to introduce her. She is no longer alive, but of course she's very alive. She was a great, great teacher in India, a friend of mine lived with her, and she was called the Jalalamudi Mother, uh, of course, on Mother's Day, she was on my mind even more. I didn't met her, but I've heard so much about her, and I feel so close to her. And when they asked her, who are you, she, she gave the most, most beautiful response. She said, I am the mother who cannot be wounded. Wow. That's just a wow. I'll repeat it. She said, when she was young, she said that even when she was a little girl, I guess she was born, (coughs) well, no doubt she was born in a very awakened, realized condition. And her response was, I am the mother who cannot be wounded. Now, if that isn't an expression of a real mother and of love and of the nurturing heart that we all think we need, but that we all already have also. Who is this mother who cannot be wounded? You know, we live so much in fear of hurting someone or being hurt. And oftentimes the mother will say, look what you did to me, you're so bad, or if you don't do this, I'm going to suffer. We we, we present a lot of suffering and pain and therefore guilt to one another all the time. This this is beyond any one practice or another. 
it just it's part of the human condition. We don't want to do this. We're going to hurt this one. We're going to hurt that one. But the Jalali mother, the Jalalamuni mother said, I am the mother who cannot be wounded. I love you unconditionally is another way of saying it. I'm here for you. I grant you the right to be who you are. I'm not, you're not here for me. I'm not using this relationship or using you to make me happy. Nothing can hurt me. Nothing. Now, that's quite a statement, quite a condition to be in my friend Richard, a very wonderful person who lived there with her, loved her, lived there with her for four years. He told me it was true. These were not just words she was mouthing or saying. It was absolutely true. All kinds of people later on in her life came from from nowhere. She never advertised, called them, polled them, tried to become someone. In fact, when anybody came, she just made sure they were fed. She fed them. And she said all kinds of people came to her, some trying to you know, expose her, trip her up the way many people do when they come to a guru, a so-called guru, whatever. They want to expose them. They want to say, this one isn't who they pretend to be. On and on and on. There is that nature we have, and we see it. And those people came to her as well, but she said also, if you throw roses at me or throw a knife at me, it's all the same. It's all the same. It's all the same because this woman was an embodiment of love itself, itself, love itself. She didn't want anything back from anyone who came. She wasn't there to get something. She was there to give, give, give. And when you're in that condition, you cannot be wounded because you cannot. Somebody could say something negative. It doesn't matter. It doesn't hit you because you're only there to give to them. You don't want to get anything. You're not looking for praise. You're not looking for adoration. You're not looking for approval. Mm. You're not looking for anything. You have it all. Well, how could it be you have it all? Well, because if you are in that kind of state of love, of being, of just wanting to give, you have it all. You're filled with love and there's nothing more. What else do you need? What else could you possibly want when you're in that kind of condition? <clears throat> now, now let me say something. I'm not setting her up as some kind of an ideal that we should all try to become just like her or to compare ourselves and with her and say, oh my God, I really fall short. I'm nowhere near that. How could she be? I'm not doing that. Please don't take this th that this way. It's a mistake to take it that way because that's not what's intended. We, we're not here to become someone else. We're here to become ourselves. We're here to open up, as we say in Zen, open up your own treasure house. In her presence, it was so much easier for people to open up their own treasure house because they directly experienced a totally different way of being because 
she was being a totally different way. They, they felt it. They knew it. They saw something else was possible in this world and in their experience of this world and in their response to this world. They saw it directly. They felt it. They experienced it. In the beginning, Richard said, very few people were there. And then more and more just came. They just came. The aroma of love just drew them drew them by all by itself, all by itself. So let's go back to a very important point here. This is not an ego ideal, I-D-E-A-L, that we must fashion ourselves and imitate. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to see that we all, what one person is capable of, all are, and to explore that possibility within yourself. Now, that's an exciting, wonderful way to think of it. To explore that possibility, the potential that's also waiting right inside of you. You know, in Zen, we have a phrase, Buddha nature. We remember the early days I went to the Zendo. We were, that was one of our, we would do some beautiful, beautiful chanting. I always just loved the chanting there, just the vibration of it, the sound of it. It really sorted everything out for me. It still does. I do, I do the same chants 50 years later every day today. But the point is, and we would chant a lot, Buddha nature and on and on pervades the entire universe existing right here now. That was one of the chants. And I loved chanting it. It felt right. It felt wonderful. And I had no idea what they meant by it. What is Buddha nature? What is it? Where it's exi- I knew they were such an interesting paradox. Everything in Zen practice is a very fascinating paradox. I knew it was true, but I didn't understand in my mind what it meant. But I knew it was true in my bones, in my heart. And I loved listening to the chant, and I loved chanting it. Buddha nature. We could also call it the divine spirit. We could also call it your soul. We could also call it Shekhinah, the presence of God. There are many, many, many beautiful words describing or indicating the same fundamental experience. So in in our Zen practice, we're going for the experience, not for the word. We're focusing on what we are actually experiencing in this moment, in this day, in this hour. We're waking, waking up our capacity to experience. So as we do so, this Buddha nature, this vast love that the Jalalamudi mother expressed in her heart, it's awakened within us. That is the point it's awakened, and it expresses itself differently in every person, and that's also such a beautiful point of Zen practice. We're not here to be clones of one another, because when it, we're not clones. Each one is quite unique also. Even though we're one, we're very different. We're very unique. Like in a garden, there's a rose, there's a tulip, there's a chrysanthemum, all different flowers, Blooming, blooming in different ways. Some needs more shade. Some need more sun. A chrysanthemum isn't going to fight to become a rose. 
but they're going to bloom fully, fully, fully as a chrysanthemum. And how beautiful. And they're, they're an incredibly important part of the garden. Each one of us, an incredibly, incredibly beautiful manifestation of this love <coughs> and of this Buddha nature. So when you hear of someone like the mother who cannot be wounded, it's very beautiful to look why am, when am I wounded? Why am I wounded? Not to pretend <coughs> I'm never wounded. That's not, that's not what's called for. Just the opposite is called for. And, and not with judgment and not with disdain for oneself, but with fascination, with interest. Oh, look at that. She cannot be wounded. Now, and to experience the times and the ways in which we are wounded and which we wound ourselves and perhaps even inadvertently others. And, and just to look at it, but not with judgment, not with blame, but with curiosity. Well, what is that? Is that? Where does that come from? Why does that come? Where is it? Why is it coming? Where is it coming? And I certainly do not have to perpetuate it. When you see something fully, it can be over. You might have to see it ten times. You might have to only see it one wonderful time. Deeply. Oh, this isn't the true way of my own Buddha nature, my own original nature, my own loving heart. But here it's arising. Be aware of it. Understand it. See it. Taste it. Touch it. And know that is not your essential self. It's just something that's arising. And... (sighs) It's not our destiny forever to be in that state. I think that's a nice way of thinking of it. Maybe as a destination, the mother who cannot be wounded. I think that we can choose that destination, that path, that that way of living, if we want to. Some of us become, unfortunately, very addicted to our anger, our suffering, our pain, our story of how we've been hurt so much. We're going to get back at them. You could use a whole life, waste a whole life, dwelling on how you're going to get back at them or what they did to me. And poor me, I'm such a victim of life. It's not true. None of it's true. You're a gift to life, not a victim You're only a victim of misunderstanding, your own misunderstanding. Maybe you're a victim of never having experienced anybody remotely like the Jalalamudi mother. That's possible. You don't even realize there's this other possibility, this other alternative. So that's a lovely way to take it. Oh, there's another way. You know, like if we were in a garden and we never knew, oh, look at that tree. I never even knew such a possibility existed. A tree here that could shelter all beings in such a wonderful way. And so we're, we're just being introduced to it, to notice it, to know, to open our vistas and actually... Even opening our vistas a little bit can produce such beautiful, beautiful responses and beneficial responses, not only to us, but to whomever we might contact, purposefully contact, or just pass, or just in passing even, just the way the Jalalamudi mother had such a profound effect on so many people. 
who might not have even known her. They just heard of her. They just drifted by. So, too, each of us can have, in our own way, a deep effect by providing and presenting a different possibility. So this is what I wanted to offer today, post-Mother's Day podcast, because every day is Mother's Day and Father's Day and Sister's Day and Brother's Day. It's a day to, to give thanks, to be grateful, to find the part of ourselves, the mother in us, the father, the sister, the brother, to come from a place of givingness and connection. So thank you very much for listening. It was great to talk to you. The, the URL for our podcast, as you know, is www.zenwisdomtoday.com. And my email, if you wish to drop a line, question, a comment, anything you like, is topspeaker at yahoo.com. And thanks again for listening. Have a beautiful, beautiful day. Bye.